Hello and welcome to the Cash Goals Podcast. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the next episode of Cash Goals Podcast. Here again with me Scott and my sidekick Chris. How are you doing Chris? Sidekick, really? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, yeah that, that's probably fair. I mean, I'm probably the face of this show, let's be honest. You are, you are the Robin to my Batman. Alright, okay. I mean, well for one, you can be the face of a podcast all you want because no face. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but point. For two, I can't wear Robin's costume with my hair. It's gonna, it's gonna clash okay. like mad. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But you all right? Yeah, not bad, Bruce. How are you? Yeah, not bad. I'm pretty good. So I think, obviously, last last episode we talked about uh, financial circle of life and how there are different stages for people to go through in terms of in terms of planning. But we've we've said the, the good thing to do here is, is for us to still talk about a couple of more higher level elements of financial planning and I don't want to say economics make it sound boring but you know economic side of things before we can start drilling down because it's kind of building blocks if you like to 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 fill before we get to some of the more finite details yeah there's two really important things aren't there that we we tempt we were tempted to do them all in one show but they're such important foundations that we've split them out into two. It's a bit of a double header, really. We want to talk about inflation and interest rates and stick with us because once we've laid the foundations, then we can get onto all the stuff that everyone wants to hear about the, you know, the the debt planning, the investing, all of the uh, what do you actually do with your money? So today we're going to do inflation. So good place to start because inflation's one of those things where you hear it on the news and you read it in the paper and you maybe just nod along but don't really know why you should care or what it's all about so what what is inflation well we can we can start with what the oxford dictionary definition is which states that inflation is the rate at which the average of a basket of selected goods and services increase over a period of time which sounds pretty dull if I'm honest so let's let's kind of break that down to what that actually means what it's trying to say is over over as it says over a period of time things that you buy whether it be physical items or services that you pay for they'll typically increase so what what it costs you to to buy something today will cost will more than likely cost more in monetary terms in the future so to try and make that a bit easier to understand, we'll give you an example. So I remember strolling to the local shop with my mum regularly to pick up milk because I don't know about you, but when I was a young one, I smashed through the Cocoa Pops like there was no tomorrow. Now, back in 1990, way back when, it was 25p for a pint of milk. 30 That's 30 years ago. So now, today, I went to the shop with the kids because they seemed to have the same penchant for Cocoa Pops that I did. And we got an emergency pint from Tesco, 45p, which is nearly double. And in simple terms, that is inflation. You can see it. It's gone up. 
Yeah, that, that's that's pretty good basic definition or example of what inflation is. But I think you don't, you know, you're talking about over 30 years. I guess people don't really typically see inflation on a day-to-day basis. And it's not until you take those longer term of points of reference that you really recognise how much things increase by. Yeah, that's true. You're not going to notice a, you know, one pence increase in, in the milk next year, are you? You're not even going to bat an eyelid. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's that longer term element of inflation that definitely is where you see those big differences, differences in costs. So when it comes to inflation in the UK, um, we, we use what's called CPI. And CPI stands for Consumer Price Index. You'll see in the show notes, we've got a, a, a graphic that, that you feel free to take a look at. This What this pie chart is showing is a breakdown of how the um, official measure is split between all the different goods and services. You can see there, there's, there's effectively 12 different types of uh, types of goods and services. The the one thing that's interesting and what we've done in 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 the following uh, graphic is show a, a slightly different measure, which is called CPIH. So it's effectively the same thing, but that H stands for housing. Now you you and I both know how much we spend on on mortgage and rent. It's it's one of our if not our biggest expense. Yeah, it's a pretty penny these days, isn't it? So once they've once they've compiled what's going to go in these baskets. What does the index then do? Does it just track it every year? What the difference in these things is? Yeah, so it's just looking from point to point what the price of that of each of the obviously there's thousands of items within there, but you know, looking at a high level, what the price of each of those different goods and services were last year and what it is today, and that's when you get your annual inflation figure, whatever that is. So when you hear on the news then that it was x percent you know two percent inflation this year we are saying that that basket of of hypothetical shopping's gone up by two percent is that right exactly 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 that's that's it in a nutshell and, and yeah the thing is you, we talk about that and like you said you hear it on the news and and it's not really you know whether it be two percent or one percent or whatever it is it doesn't really tend to have a significant impact on your day-to-day thinking about what you're spending going back to your point about the milk you know seeing it been 25p to 45p well that's quite a jump yeah if at the very least everyone can understand it and how to reduce the impact of it or even benefit from it in the future then you're putting yourself in a much stronger position but uh, you know i guess the first question that most people are going to ask is what's the point do we do we even need inflation you know what what's it actually doing yeah, I think I say it in an ideal world, but inflation definitely complicates matters when you're trying to, especially for from a planning side or whatever whatever it is, whenever you're trying to look at changes in costs or changes in in certain items, when you have to think about inflation and and the impact that's having, it it certainly muddies the water. But if your question is, do we have to have inflation? It's it's not like it's something that's been designed and set up and and fed into the economy it, it's it's effectively a byproduct of what is happening so and we'll talk about the different types of inflation or how inflation arises it's not that it's not the ultimate it's more of a symptom rather than uh, the cause if that okay. makes sense well I, I guess well is it a good thing or a bad thing well yeah that's, that's a good question i think if you have inflation economy it's typically 
a good sign that the economy is working. It's when, you know, it's when, if you have no inflation example, that's when there can be issues because there'll be reasons why there isn't inflation. As I said, inflation is a byproduct. So when things are working correctly, it, it, it naturally occurs. But if it stops occurring, then you could potentially see a problem in in the economy and a problem with the potential growth, economic growth of that country or obviously the world. And I guess that would imply if it was apply if it was really low or if it was really high. Yeah, it's, not, it's not one or the other. No. So I mean, as I said, you know, we talk about inflation. I mean, in the UK, as I said, we've got a target of two percent, but there are naturally there can be extremes, right? So there's effectively two types of extremes. So the first one, where you have no inflation potentially, what you could get yourself into a position or the economy could get itself into a position is there starts to be what's called deflation. This is effectively the opposite of inflation. So going back to the pint of milk, if it's 45p this year, if there's deflation next year, it's going to be 43p or 40p. And that's a real problem because if you think of it from a mindset of a consumer, if I if I want to buy a telly and it's going to cost I don't know five hundred pound this year, but I know if I wait a year, it's going to be it's going to cost me four hundred and fifty pounds. Well, I'm just going to wait. And the problem with deflation is it's it's like a vicious cycle because sellers will start reducing prices further to encourage shoppers to buy more, and it's just it's not an environment you want. But as a shopper, that sounds pretty great. <laughs> as a shopper, it sounds good. But as a a functioning economy, it's it's pretty it's pretty dire. And that's this is why governments and sent and the banks have a a target of slightly slightly positive inflation because they won't target zero because it's too close to deflation. Um, but obviously, they need to set some sort of target, so it tends to be positive, but only slightly above zero. Mm. If that makes sense. Okay, so what if what if it goes wild in the other direction then? Yeah, so uh, yeah, this that's also not a great environment to be in. So we've seen this in, you know, Zimbabwe, several South American countries where the inflation rate starts going up from what we've got, for example, in the UK, single digits into hundreds of percent a year or thousands of percent a year, and it's an absolute effect. It just cripples the economy again. This again. So what's happening here is your pound today is effectively worth a penny in a year's time that is effectively called hyperinflation so they're they're two extremes really chris that that you know most you know function well functioning and well governed and controlled economies would aim obviously to avoid at all costs really because they're not they're not good places to be so if it's a good thing then what and you know we've established that over time prices are going to go up in a healthy economy because we've got inflation, but but why? What what's actually making prices go up? Is it just one thing, or there a number of things? Because that's the bit that I think a lot of people struggle to get their their head around. Yeah, yeah. There's many. So there's many moving parts to or as to, or causes as to why inflation occurs. So I mean, per, we tend to break it down into into effectively three main categories. Um, so the first one is what is called demand pull inflation. So this happens when normally you know economies are doing well. There's there's good economic growth, but what what effectively happens is there's too much money chasing too few goods, and so so, so suppliers and providers of goods and services they can't 
they can't keep up with increased demand. So what they do is they raise prices to uh, temper that demand. So they're supplying the same number of goods, but just at a higher price. And obviously what happens is if you increase prices, fewer people are willing to pay that much for a good. So that's that's effectively what demand pull inflation is. But but that can come about in several ways. So, you know, if, if interest rates reduce, then I don't know about how you feel, but if I, if I know I've got less interest to pay on my mortgage, for example, or less interest on a loan, I'm going to be way more likely to go and take out a loan and buy, I don't know, a new car or something. Another reason why people, specifically homeowners, cause this demand pull inflation is if house prices increase. I mean, this is clearly more of a psychological reason because people can't typically turn that increase in the value of a house into cash and put it in the bank. But what happens is people feel more wealthy and therefore are generally inclined to spend more. And then the last, the last scenario where you can see that that type of inflation demand pull is where you see um, an increase in wages, but but an increase in wages in what in what's called real terms. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I think we're going to press the uh, press the jargon button right here. Go for it. Financial jargon of the week. Real terms, or some people call it today's value, is 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 what's used to describe. Um, a value which has been adjusted for inflation. Effectively, what you're doing is you're taking inflation out when you're looking at how much the price of something has increased over, say, a year. So if I go back to your point earlier, Chris, about that pint of milk that's cost 45p today, um, if, if the price of that milk went up by inflation every single year from now for the next five years, in five years' time, that pint of milk will cost around 50p which obviously is an increase in price. But in today's terms, because it's only gone up in line with inflation, in today's terms, the price of that milk is still 45p. So it's gone from 45 to 50p. Yes, it's increased by 5p. But actually, when you when you inf- inflation adjust it or put it into real terms, there hasn't been an increase in the cost. So I guess, you know, f- Chris, the, the question I guess people might have is why do we why do we need to worry about what an item is worth in today's value or in real terms when we're looking at the future costs of goods? Well, calculating something that's going to change next year, like we said before, you're not really too bothered because it's it's not going to make too much difference to you. But when we talk to people about making longer term plans, using real term real terms calculations just makes it a lot easier to get your head around what things are going to cost in the future. Because if I just use nominal terms and I sit here saying to you that I know you spend £100 a week on your you know, your weekly food shop at the minute, it's going to be £200 a week in 35 years' time. In your head, alarm bells are going off. But really, it's not it's not all that bad. But Scott's going to tell us why it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, and that does sound a bit scary to think about it. I know how much we spend at the minute on our food shop to think it's going to go up you know, double in, in 35 years' time. It's, it, it's, it's not a great uh, thought, to be honest. But whilst inflation does increase the cost of, of your shop, people should typically see, maybe not a one-for-one. One. I mean, some people might see it more so, but, you know, you'll typically see an increase in earnings, which would be 
maybe in line with inflation, but as I said, could be more. And that's and that's effectively what that increase in wages in real terms is. So increasing wages in real terms, as we mentioned, as one of the causes is where if you're, for example, if you're in, if your wages increase by 5% in a year, but inflation's at 2%, well, then you've got effectively a 3% increase in wages in real terms. So there, there are a few of the examples of um, what we call demand or what's called demand pull inflation. The second reason for inflation is the effectively the opposite. It's what's called cost push. And again, this does sound jargony, so put, take your finger off the klaxon button, Chris, because I'm going to try and explain it. All right, I'll give you um, a chance. <laughs> thanks. But so cost push, so this is where we experience rising prices due to higher costs of production and the higher costs of materials. So if you think of a, you know, a supplier of goods, let's take these examples of someone that's producing a smartphone. Underneath, you know, within that smartphone, there's obviously plenty of plenty of moving parts, you know, microchips, metals, uh, the plastic, the glass. If we see an increase in the cost of all those components, well, that's costing the producer more to make that phone. So what now, some, sometimes companies will absorb the cost and they'll just take the hit and reduce profits, but more often than not, they don't. So what they do is they pass it on to the end consumer. So what happens is you see that increase uh, in the in the end, you know, in the, in the price in the, in the shop when you go and purchase that said smartphone. So that's probably slightly easier to understand than demand put inflation. So one thing that has been in the news quite a bit at the moment is talking about printing money. Or I think I've heard it called quantitative easing. Uh, is that is that going to have a bearing on inflation? And what is it? That's a good question. Here's a good question. Um, so yeah, quantitative easing is effectively um, where central banks are increasing the money supply into into an economy. Now it, it, there are you know it's been done in the past where you you can't so banks just can't print money and just put it into the economy because what happens there is it just devalues the currency and you get like you saw in Zimbabwe hyperinflation because if for money and you know for money and currency to have a valuable uh, a tangible worth there has to be a finite or limited resource of it if that makes sense so you can't if you've got unlimited or something then you can't, it's very difficult and it's unlikely you're going to get any sort of value in it. You know, take gold as an example. So gold is a, is a finite resource. If, if, if every single person had an unlimited amount of access to gold, gold would not be worth what it is today. But because it's rare or because it's in limited supply, there's a value to it. So onto the point you asked, well, why doesn't, why doesn't quantitative easing devalue a currency because what what's happening there is there is a, an agreement that that money that is being supplied into the economy it's an iou so it has to be at some point and and when we, we don't know but at some point the central banks that have issued or, or you know uh, released more money into the economy are going to have to be paid back you know, there's, and there's obviously been questions, you know, people sometimes hypothesize and say, well, why don't they just write off the debt and just, just cancel it out? But obviously that goes back to the point I made that if you do that, every single currency gets devalued. It, it just absolutely decimates economies and it, and it just doesn't, they're not functioning anymore. So you can't just cancel it, but there has to be that 
um, agreement that it's going to be repaid so that the value of the currency is retained. Okay, that makes sense. It's a shame I can't get my credit card debt cancelled. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, exactly. I'm sure we'd all love to just be able to wipe off our um, our credit and, and all our debts and just say it's for the good of the economy. But unfortunately, we cannot do that. So there you go. So going back to monetary supply, the reason why um, monetary supply can have an impact on inflation is because effectively what's happening is there's there's now more money in the economy, whether it be, you know, with the example of quantitative easing, what's happening is it's it's being used to buy up debt, but obviously people who currently own that debt are, are selling it to the bank and they've got more money in their pocket. And so what they're doing with it, well, maybe they're now spending it on on goods and services, which then leads us back to the previous point about more money chasing chasing the same amount of goods. So inflation starts to occur. So so I think, Chris, it's probably worth, you know, doing some examples as, as to as to how this inflation uh, has an impact on people. Yeah, so look, everyone now is so much better educated than when they started today. <laughs> <laughs> but let's 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 not worry about the why the inflation's happened. Let's just focus on the fact that over time the price of things is going to go up. So, an example of how you might be impacted by that. Let's let's not talk about milk anymore let's talk about something a bit bigger so let's say that you have got your eye on a nice shiny new car and we've got a beautiful line graph that is in the show notes that goes along with this to illustrate the point as well but you're you're looking at buying a a nice new car and it's going to cost twelve thousand pounds so you say to yourself right i haven't got anything but i'm going to buy that car in four years time so you work out right how much do i need to have in four years time well 12 divided by four is three thousand pounds a year (laughs) that chris i mean people are listening to this podcast and they've just heard the tip tapping of a calculator as you work out 12 divided four I'm concerned people are going to start turning off. Nah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. It's fine. I think people understand maths probably isn't your forte, and that's why the, econ- the economic stuff and math stuff, you tend to leave me to... Yeah, that's why to, I didn't go talk. into a job that involves numbers, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's £3,000 a year for four years, and monthly that's £250. Yeah, you like that one? It was quicker, wasn't it? That was quick, yeah. So there's... That's it. You set it up. You've got a standing order set up to your, to your savings account, and then in four years' time, you say to yourself, you're going to walk into that car dealership and buy that shiny new car. Let's not complicate this with interest rates in savings accounts because at the minute, interest rates are pretty much nothing anyway. So keep it simple. So you've saved up. You've got your £12,000, cracked open your piggy bank or gone to the bank, taken it all out, and then you walk into the car dealership, ready to buy your car, and then you look in the windscreen and that car now costs £13,000 because whilst you've been saving up, to get to your £12,000, inflation has been pushing up the price of this new car every single year. Now, obviously, ignore the fact you might say, well, it's going to be four years older now because you're buying a new car. We're ignoring second-hand cars here. So what what can you do about that? Well, you know, over, over a shorter term, like five years, there's, there's not really a lot, is there, Scott? I mean, you're not going to invest for that long, are you? 
No, typically not. I mean, we'll talk about investment terms in, in future episodes, but for us, five years or less is, is what we would call short term, and, and that's not a, an ideal time period to invest. So, yeah, you're going to avoid trying to lock, or locking it into something that's a, a riskier asset. Which pretty much leaves you with banks, savings accounts. Now, you're yeah. going to look around and try and get the best rate that you can, but there's a good chance that that's still not going to be as high as inflation. So the most important thing over a short term is keeping it safe and just accepting that there's a good chance you might need to save a little bit more than you think that you need. Obviously, that's short term, but over a longer term, what if we're not talking about buying a car in a few years time? What if we're talking about, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about my retirement possibly in 20 years time. So 20, hold on, 20 years time. All right, I'm being bold. All right, this, this podcast is going to take off. We'll be worldwide. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, it's free, right? Yeah, but Maybe I haven't worked that out yet. They're the final <laughs> details. <laughs> you should probably concentrate on your planning a bit more if that's, if that's your, uh, if that's what you're going to use to help you retire, but continue with your example, please. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so hypothetically, I'm going to retire in 20 years time. Okay. And if I say to myself, right, I need £20,000 a year in today's money, real terms, you all know what that means now, the actual money that I'm going to need in my pocket every year in 20 years isn't going to be £20,000 anymore. It's going to be £30,000 a year if we assume that inflation is around 2% a year. Now, that's that's not insignificant. That is... 50% more that I need to buy the things that I'm buying now in the future. So as with the car analogy, if we use the same strategy, which is just to figure out how much we think that we're going to need throughout retirement and stove it away in an account earning no interest, we're not just going to come up a little bit short. We are going to come up very short. It's, it's hard to stress just how much inflation is one of the most damaging things on your long-term financial future when we talk about risk in inverted commas the thing that jumps to your mind is going to be investing in some wacky company that goes bust and you lose all of your money and okay those things are going to be a lot more damaging than anything else because when it's gone it's gone but after that if you're just investing in sensible things what the stock market is doing isn't the biggest risk to your future really it is it's inflation that's what's going to chip away at things over the long term and that's where investing comes in because if if we're saying cash isn't going to do it it's not going to get you returns over inflation so you're going to lose money every year you've got to find something that you can put your money in that is going to give you inflation and then hopefully a little bit more but if you can achieve, say, a 5% investment return every year and inflation's 2%, rather than coming up short and having lost money, you're actually in profit 3% each year in real terms after inflation. You, you really need to be and want to be and got to be beating inflation because if you are saving and you can't and what you're putting away is increasing but less than inflation, well, you're just, you're just going to get, as you said, beaten up because it's just going to you know, hemorrhage away what you've saved because it's just worth less in future years. And and that would really 
demotivate you know i don't know how you feel but if i if i knew i was saving but what i'm putting in my bank today is going to be worth less in 10 years time or not in my bank but in savings it's going to be worth less in 10 years time in real terms i think for myself well i'm not going to save it i'm just going to buy something that i can spend a you know that 100 pounds on today instead of that 100 pounds being worth 90 pounds in 10 years time yeah why would you bother we uh we hope this hasn't left you deflated to like that one that is so terrible yeah you love that <laughs> but inflation is a really important consideration when you're planning and yeah it's, it's not going to be the sexiest thing that we talk about but we're <laughs> understanding it now like we said before is putting the foundations in place the next podcast we're gonna we're gonna talk about interest rates and and you know importantly how interest rates uh, act and interact with inflation and, and how these two things obviously we talked about how inflation impacts um planning but you have to then add interest rates in because they they also have a significant impact and as i said next episode we're going to talk about that and how and how that can work for you so i mean that pretty much that pretty much covers it i think chris um if there are any you know if if you have any questions about whether it be inflation we talked about today or anything else that we could talk about in future shows We'd love to hear from you and we'll do our best to answer the questions. So you can email us. Uh, the email address is show at cashgoalspodcast.com. Um, but, but I know we're only a couple of shows in by now, but if you do fancy yourself as a good judge of character, then please feel free to leave us a review of the show, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you uh, download and listen to the podcast. You know, it really helps for us, you know, as we're making this show, gaining some traction. So get up the ratings. And hopefully reaching more people, which would be great. And don't forget to subscribe through whatever channel you, you, you do use to listen to your podcasts. And we will speak to you in a couple of weeks about interest rates. So that's goodbye from me. Say goodbye, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> if you think you're Bruce Wayne, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs>